0: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed
1: as we welcome you along to the programme, we always love to hear from you. Good on the weather forecast there to hear we have a bit of dry uh, weather uh, because we will be checking back in with uh, Middleton to see how they are getting uh, on after the devastating floods last week and we're also going to be uh, chatting about how a community meeting went last night in the village of uh, Rathgorma because they were another area that uh, suffered flooding and the front page of the examiner today uh, is uh, talking about Cork County Councils, the acting chief, Chief Executive and a statement that she made that no agency could have prevented the flooding that happened in Middleton uh, last uh, week. Valerie O'Sullivan is the acting chief executive. She said the drainage system simply could not cope with the deluge that fell last Wednesday. They reckon now up to 250 properties were damaged between businesses and uh, private homes. And she did say the only thing that could protect the town is the planned 46 million euro flood relief project. But we're still waiting for that to go to planning. It was just unprecedented. The amount of rain that fell a week ago uh, tomorrow, it, it, was in, it was in a short enough period of time. It was over in over 36 hours. It was 100 millimetres of rain uh, fell. And obviously, when that amount of rain falls, the drains simply get overwhelmed. They're not able to discharge uh, the water. The rivers then rise. And of course, we know what happened. The rivers broke their banks. And we had a situation where there was uh, three foot of water on the main street in uh, Middleton, And it happened in just eight minutes. It really was a crazy, um, unfrightening situation as well, particularly for the people that were there, the people who were going about their business, people that were living in the town. And as the waters uh, rose, the county fire station are now saying they responded to 180 calls last Wednesday and uh, 50 firefighters were dispatched uh, to help in uh, Middleton alone. Now, Valerie O'Sullivan said that contrary to claims, the council had cleared out and had carried out major cleaning of drains and gullies in Middleton. And she said that that they did them two weeks ago. And she said they checked them again, particularly when Met Aaron started to issue the Orange Weather Alert for Wednesday. Senior Council staff will be meeting today with Patrick O'Donovan. And Patrick O'Donovan is, of course, the junior minister. He has direct responsibility for the Office of uh, Public uh, Works. So they're going to be meeting with him and his officials and obviously discussing the fallout from the, uh, the flooding uh, throughout the county, because of course it wasn't just uh, Middleton. And interesting to chat to the OPW to say, is there any way they can expediate the flood relief uh, measures? Cork County Council are also, of course, going to be working with the OPW to see if they can find any short-term measures to try to help mitigate against further flooding not just in Middleton but in other areas and if projects are identified the council then will seek government funding for them because even if even if we were to go to planning permission this week for Middleton the any of the other towns that have had flood relief schemes that are working will tell you it takes quite some time. And, you know, it. It hope and pray that they won't get another storm like they got last week. But with the way the weather is going at the moment, it is possible that there will be further floods before that flood relief scheme can be in place. So Cork County Council is also beginning to assess the cost of the damage to its 12,000 kilometer road uh, network and this was something that a lot of listeners who were lucky enough not to have been in a situation where their home and their business was flooding but we were getting so many calls in from people who were identifying sections of roads that had been particularly damaged during storm babette and with all the rain that fell and you know parts of roads actually you know literally been worn away large potholes that were turning into uh, craters. So the local authority they begin the assessment. Now obviously a lot of the focus is going to be in East Cork because they had the worst of the rain. Uh, Middleton obviously, Killa, Castle Martyr, Whitegate, uh, Ladies they all bore the brunt of the damage to property but many roads across the county have been completely destroyed and there are now fears that others are starting to subside as water levels in rivers begin to drop the council now begin to look at uh, structural reviews of all of the bridges. And Frank O 'Flynn, the current mayor of uh, Cork County, he said and you know lots of people were complimenting the outdoor crews of Cork County Council because they really did work hard last week and Frank was pointing out that some of the outdoor crews actually got no sleep during that 48 hour uh, period uh, last uh, week and he's now called for an increase in the number of outdoor staff that are available to the council. Uh, I mean again it's been something that's been happening over and number of years as outdoor council staff retire they're not being replaced so we've less and less outdoor staff and then when we get an event like Storm Babette and we get an event like the flooding last week the outdoor staff that are there are then stretched to the limits because there is so few of them and I read with interest in the examiner that some councillors have actually suggested that dedicated drainage crews should be created and these dedicated drainage crews, their sole job would be to clean drains and clean gullies and remove any debris from watercourses. It's kind of like how often do listeners comment uh, on it here on the programme, the man with the shovel. It's going back to that day of the local man who had the local knowledge. So if you had a dedicated drainage crew who did nothing else but maintained the drains and the gullies and looked after the water uh, courses, they would be on top of their game so that when these floods would happen, all the drains and gullies, they, they would be able to say hand and heart are OK. I don't think that is a bad uh, suggestion, but obviously more funding is going to be needed for that. And we'll keep a close eye on uh, anything coming out of uh, Joel Aaron today because we know the Cabinet are meeting and it's expected today that they're going to sign off on this additional funding for people who did suffer from the flooding last week. And indeed, there's more people today because there was further flooding yesterday in parts of uh, Waterford. So there's people today doing the clear up like what happened in last week in East Cork and continuing uh, to happen. So more businesses, more homes are going to need help. And these are the ones, of course, who don't have any insurance. So there's now uh, there's a lot of talk now that the additional funds could go up to 100,000 euro because certainly we did hear from businesses last week who openly said that their assessment was that they had lost between stock and damage done to buildings. There was some who had lost up to 100,000 and of course the current scheme which is the one, the humanitarian scheme that's operated by the Red Cross, that only goes up to uh, 20000 And a lot of businesses are saying 20000 will come nowhere near uh, replacing what we've lost and what we need in order to get back up and get back up and running. And that's what we need for the businesses. We need the money to be in place, the funds to be put in place so that they can get the stock that they need. They can do the repairs to their businesses and they can open their front doors and they can start to trade uh, again. And aligned with that, obviously, are the people whose heart would break for you, whose homes have been devastated and they can't go back into their homes. They need the sport and they need it uh, sooner rather than uh, later. And I know one of the criticisms for the humanitarian assistance scheme that's operated by the Red Cross is that it is means tested. And that was kind of worrying some people who didn't have flood insurance cover on their home, wondering would they just be beyond the means testing? Well, I'm reading today that for full relief to be uh, available. They've modified the the means testing. So for a single person the income can be up to 50000 and for a couple the income can be up to 90000 so hopefully that will allow more people to be included in that humanitarian aid assistance for people whose homes were destroyed as I say. We will check in with Middleton to see how they are uh, getting on. And last night a community meeting was held in the local hall in Rathcormac in the hope of progressing the long planned flood relief scheme for the village to see how the meeting went I'm joined by local Fianna Ford councillor uh, William O'Leary. Uh, good morning to you, William. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, uh, firstly, how bad did the village flood last week?
2: Well, it was the worst case scenario for the village, Patricia, in that it was the worst uh, level of flooding we've we've had in, in, in living in living memory down there. I suppose we had a going back about ten years ago, we had a similar um, flood event, but I think from speaking to people and from being on the ground there last week, Patricia, last week's um, event was by far the worst scene in living memory in the village. Um,
1: And and like other areas, did it all happen very quickly, William?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, similar to stories around the county. Look, uh, I suppose, in the space of 40 minutes to an hour, the place just seems to submerge with water, you know, Um, which is frightening because it comes at a ferocious speed and you just don't know where it's going to lend or where it's going to fall, you know. Um, it, it was, it was, it, for want of a better word, it was biblical there yeah, for, for, yeah. For, for, for a number of hours, you know. And like many other places in Clark, and my heart goes out to all property owners in Clark County, business owners, private private house owners. Rec Armour received significant damage in terms of particularly to... Private uh, private properties <coughs> which were significantly damaged again, and this is the second and third time a number of these properties have been damaged. In
1: and the when you the last when you use the word again, straight away we're assuming those households did not have any insurance because of those previous flood events.
2: Yeah, a number of them, a number of them didn't. Yes, um, it's, it's, it's it's an ongoing problem. Many towns and villages, you know, um, where where. Which have a history of flooding, where the households can't get insurance, which is which is a problem. To something a number of years ago, going back to when we had the serious issues in Falmouth, and thankfully Falmouth has a flood defence system now, which is which is working and working well. You know, it was uh, engagement should have been had at that time between the government, the insurance companies, all stakeholders, you know, to see how, in the event of these events, how best. We could come to a solution, which, which, to be honest, never did happen, Patricia. You know, so we're left uh, again in a state of being uh, in the unknown. Um, what we have today, no, what we have today, I suppose. Look, is just waiting on a couple of government announcements.
1: Um, what was the mood like at the meeting l- last night?
2: Um, <clears throat> a lot of uh, a mixture of devastation and shock, you mm-hmm. know, and anger. To be honest, you know, because. Look, we, there has been schemes moved for the village. We're part of the Seafram flood flood relief scheme. You know, we have, we, we we are in the second trench of them, is what we've been told. You know, we have quarterly meetings with the flood section as county councillors, you know, and what we've always been told, that the second trench of these schemes are due to be rolled out at the latter end of this decade. You know, and I suppose, look, that's no longer acceptable. God,
1: that's true. You know, uh, that, that is too long to wait. And it was back yeah. in, if, if my memory serves me right, it's... 2018 was when Rath Cormack was identified. Yes,
2: 2018. Yeah. There was a number of um, consultations had before that point between the OPW and the Community Council and stakeholders in the village, um, I suppose. Look, the perfect solution wasn't found at that point, you know, but a number of solutions were put forward. But look, I think part of the second trench being rolled out is that they would come back to the table and come to that final preferred option whatever that may be, it's, it's to get them, it's to get the OPW, the Minister to recognise the seriousness of the situation and Reconnacht back to the table and progress the second trench of these schemes. You know, I think in Cork there's three of these schemes so that Reconnacht and Turkey and I think Bantry are part of it. Uh, I think Nationwide there's about 130 odd schemes as part of the second trench. Cork is three, but we need to, I think Cork, given the event of the last week, I think we have to special priority needs to be given to car. Yeah, and, and it's
1: interesting you mentioned Cantor, because Cantor were another of the towns that saw uh, flooding uh, as well. And in the scheme of things, the money that they're talking about, I mean, I mentioned uh, Middleton, and, and Middleton, I think it's 43 million mm. is the scheme there. I mean, that—that that is a massive scheme. Mm. But for Rathcormac, I mean, we're not talking huge sums of money here. No, um, I suppose back in 2016,
2: that period of when that was ongoing, The figure mentioned at the time was, and I'm open to correction here, was roughly about 1.1 million. I presume given the passage of time, given the Cost of inflation, I, that figure would be higher. Yeah, you know? but, but even I,
1: even if you pushed yeah. it to two million, yeah, yeah, no, no. This, think, yeah. W- w- when yeah. you look at the amount of money that yeah. the government now are going to have to sign off on today to pay for the damage that was caused last week, mm. that two million would be in a drop the ocean to what they're going Absolutely. to end up paying out.
2: And we were lucky to have the minister for finance last week in Reckarm Michael McGrath, and that po- I, I personally made that point to him that the cost of a scheme in Reckarm and significance to a lot of other things in this country as to what they're funding at the moment you know, in terms of that you will be talking in the region of two possibly two millions you know and it's just to get the appropriate bodies now to the table again to progress the second trench of schemes in Cork because it can't it can't go on, we can't people, people at the moment aren't sleeping you know across the county in certain areas for fear that this is going to happen again because the ground at the moment if we get another rain event in the coming days or weeks, the grounds won't take the water, you know, so it, it, And
1: the anger the anger at the meeting last night, who were they directing the anger at, William? I suppose
2: I, I suppose I wouldn't look they were angry because scheme hasn't progressed you know, I suppose they were angry at County Council, the OPW elected representatives I wouldn't say like you know it they, they was well conducted you now the meeting well, well managed well chaired you know everyone who wanted to speak spoke everyone spoke well you know but pe- the people who were speaking last night they weren't wrong in fact, saying they yeah, so it's,
1: un- it's very un- it's a very understandable uh, anger. So let's wait to see what gets announced uh, today. And in the meantime, uh, let's hope that the OPW are, are listening and that they will expediate this and they will uh, progress along uh, with the work. Because even if the money became available today, it takes time then to do the work. And we, we let's be honest, William, we're only really at the start of the winter season. We will have more flood events.
2: Look, that that is the huge concern at the moment, but the big thing, like I said, Patricia, is to get the OPW engaging on these second tranche schemes in Cork. Um, It's a different situation to Middleton, it's a different situation to what went down in the bigger towns, you know, in that we have been identified, options have been put on the table, they're not everyone's preference at the moment, but I think if we can get the OPW back to the table, again, with a level of consultation it would show progress it would show it would show a, a willingness by the OPW by Cork County Council to, um, to, to to be progressing because to be fair East Cork got um, a terrible doing last week you know we saw the events down there but in terms of North Cork in terms of this side of the county there was nowhere worse off than Yeah, Recormack was a sure. pinch point there and that's the point I wanted yeah. I was making the council officials yesterday you know we do have a northern division in Cork County Council and that's the point I was making that Recalmac was the worst affected area at this side of Cork.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, uh, you know, just just for some end to be in sight for the people yeah. who live who live in those homes. And just while I have you on the line, uh, William, on, on a different topic, the ongoing concerns around the South Dock service in uh, Moy. Uh, as elected members, have you been able to engage with the management of South Dock to find out for once and for all what's happening?
2: Absolutely not, Patricia. This has been our biggest grievance. Um, you know, as you know, the red eye service was removed. The red eye service being the ten, they've been the nighttime service from ten at night till eight in the morning. That has been removed uh, since the middle of July. Um, so, look, the service is still there until eight o'clock. But since that point in July, we have tried every human measure possible to engage with the management of South Dock, and they have, to this point, point blank, to even acknowledge or request for that, which is hugely disappointing. I we, we all know services in this country are stretched to the limit, you know. We were more or less trying to engage with them to see at what level we could help them and assist them if there is an issue with, with providing GPs or locums to South Dock. That's that, that that that's where we were at with that. But their 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 steadfast refusal to even engage with public representatives, you know, they are part text taxpayer funded but their refusal to even engage with us has been just galling It's It's frustrating
1: and I know every time we uh, contact them we get the standard line back currently no plans to close the Formoy treatment centre but that's that's not really the question because the treatment centre that's there in Formoy is a limited
2: Yeah and we've all got the same response back Patricia and you summed it up there and that is the reply we all get currently there are no plans Yeah and that is the concerning word in all their replies currently. So all we want, you know, is a level of clarification from them, once and for all. You know, what are their long-term plans for the service across crosscar You know, uh, can they clarify as to why the service, the night, the red-eye service, the nighttime service, was r- removed in Smite? Why did that happen? Is there, any, from from a political point of view, is there anything the political system can do to... Mm-hmm. reinstate that or assist them in that you know but they, look, when, when, you, when people don't engage you know what, uh, there comes a point you would have to say what can you do.
1: Yeah and you, and you have to remember that it's a huge area which means from 10 o'clock at night until the GP service opens at 9 o'clock yeah. in the morning there isn't a local service uh, for a huge area.
2: Absolutely like if my catchment area is massive look you've, the, you've Mitchellstown you've all the surrounding villages, you kind of have West Waterford coming up using the service, South Tipperary, parts of Limerick coming into the area as well, do you know? So it's a huge catchment area and to have that taken away, some people never used the service but the fact that it was there was provided a level of reassurance to people. that's mind.
1: peace of mind, yeah. in mind. And, yeah. and we all know you know, if, uh, particularly if it's a sick child or an elderly vulnerable person, mm. trying to ask them please don't get sick uh, outside of 10 o'clock at night, hold, you know, wait. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. All right. OK, uh, and listen, keep knocking on the door, They'll eventually they're, they're going to have to respond. Uh, but William, in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks us on the programme. Sure. Uh, good thank morning you. to you. That is uh, local Fianna Fáil councillor for Rathcormack, and that is Councillor William uh, O'Leary. Moving to a different topic, but I will come back to and see a lot of calls still coming in about flooding and flood events and what needs to be done and I will come back to them. But I want to move on because there is real concern that up to 41,000 cows could be slaughtered in the next 10 weeks. This is as a result of changes to Ireland's nitrates derogation, raising his concerns Is Cork South West, Fianna Gael Senator uh, Tim Lombard. Uh, good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, earlier this month, of course, the final implementation map was published, so farmers now know where they stand. What are the options open to farmers who must now reduce their nitrates?
3: So if you're a farmer that's into kind of for lack of terminology, in the red zone, as we call it. You're looking at a scenario that you have to reach a 220 stocking rate of organic nitrogen by next year. So you probably your options are very limited. Your options are you can get more land, which is very, very limited out there altogether. It just isn't there. You either can try and export slurry, which isn't an option in the majority of farms because the majority of farms have enough slurry and they don't want to import slurry. Or you have to go down the scenario of destocking, which is basically culling your cows. And the real issue here in this entire debate is that when the map was published, this famous red and white map that dictated what area you're in, it was published on the 1st of July. The majority, if not all, of dairy farmers finished their breeding season on the 20th of June. So they actually had their stock and calf. So they hadn't the opportunity to actually manage the cows out of the system. And because of that, we have the potential of over 41,000 animals, which are all in calf, six, seven months in calf at the stage. And they'll have to be slaughtered between now and the 1st of January if farmers are to reach their 220 derogation limit that's set in the red and white map. That's so a huge
1: can- number, Tim.
3: It's frightening, it really is. So basically what I'm talking about here is an average dairy farm in Ireland is roughly 100 cows. In New Zealand, it'd be roughly 400 cows. So if you're a derogation farmer and you now have to de-stock to reach the 220, you must take 15 cows out of your platform. So from 100, you must go down to 85. And that's going to be across the majority of all of the actual farmers in the red zone, which affects Cork, Kerry, Tipperary, Walford, the entire dairy heartland of the area. So we're now going to see the potential that these animals have to be moved somewhere. And farmers have to stay within the regulations. They're going to be compliant. So the option is that they'll have to dispose of these animals. They either send them to the factory or send them to the mart. And even if you look what's happening at the mart, um, usually culled cows be sold in the mart from half, 11 onwards. band the mart was brought forward to 10 o'clock yesterday, last Monday, because the demand and the, the amount of animals going through the mart, it means more time is required to sell them. It's a frightening scenario. Like my mother-in-law would always say, willful waste makes woeful want. Like this is a scenario where we're actually slaughtering animals that are six, seven months in calf. That's actually sinful.
1: Surely that's an animal welfare issue. Is it? Completely.
3: Completely. And like we we had the minister down, Timber League, 10 days ago. And look, it was a, a debate. Least, the Taoiseach, the Tornish, uh, Jack Cal, who's chairman of the agricultural Committee. We went down, we watched the Timber League farmers and the Tim League catchment and they showed us exactly what they're doing. And they made that point very clear. They need time to actually change their farming practices in the next six or eight months. Otherwise, the farmers that are in the 220 will have very little, if no option, but to send their animals to slaughter. And you're absolutely right, this is the welfare issue. When I met the Commission maybe six, eight, ten weeks ago now at this stage, um, they were on about the actual nitrogen derogation. I brought up this issue to them, and they were very, very uncomfortable, to say the very least, because, because of this actual derogation being changed, because of the timelines that had been put on the farming community, they had no time to change actual farming um, methods. And the majority, if not all, of farmers had finished their breeding season at that stage. And now we're left with a chaotic, chaotic um, proposal that unless we get some movement from the government, you're going to have 40,000 plus animals slaughtered in the next three months. And that is just no, totally the, wrong.
1: The Department of Agriculture said the budget measures announced which would see farmers uh, able to avail of 70% grant aid for slurry storage facilities. They say that's the preferred option to culling cattle.
3: Yeah. So that proposal is mainly for grain farmers to actually have storage on the grain farmers so they can have the exportation slurry so they can spread it. What's going to happen there is they need to come up with the actual TAMs, which is the proposal. Go to the commission, get it approved, and come back. I'll be talking to you this time next year, and this won't be approved. This will not be a solution for the next eight or ten weeks. This is a long-term solution to the problem, which gives grain farmers the opportunity to build storage to take slurry. Even if they got approval tomorrow morning, they wouldn't have the storage built to actually cater for what we're talking about at the moment. And there's a huge issue about the nitrates and nitrates derogation and how it actually operates. And I think, you know, when you look at the testing regime, we've given nobody EPA, rightly or wrongly, but the methods is the problem. And I'll give you one example. If you take a county like Leitrim that has 3,000 uh, dairy cows and one derogation farmer, it's red. The majority of West Cork, maybe 70% of it, is white, and Cork is 40% of the actual dairy herd. The issue here is that when you look at the testing regimes that's put in place, and the four methods, It's not only stocking rate is the issue, it's runoff, it's tillage, it's forestry. And we're saying that the stocking rate is the key issue here. There's a lot of things regarding the nitrates that need to be taken into consideration. Like in Wexford, it's the runoff from the actual tillage farm, the tillage land is creating the issue. In the midlands, the issue is the peaty soil and the runoff from forestry is the issue. So when you actually just pencil this down to one issue of stocking rate, you're probably losing the argument. This is about a natural occurring event of nitrates and how you actually deal with that actual natural occurring event.
1: All right. And for the farmers facing this dilemma, I know the, the department also, you know, they're the ones suggesting that exporting slurry uh, is also an option, they say, for many farmers. But you, you say that's not going to work.
3: Well, if you take the exportation of slurry, number one, how they actually count the value. They double, the, they double count the value of slurry. So in other words, the nitrate's value is doubled when it's actually been moved from one location to another. You need a tillage farmer that can take it. If you're in Drina or Rospo or any of these locations that are actually in the area at the moment, that's two to twenty. your potential to get a, um, a grain farmer is probably in Kingsale. It's probably in Pan- spittle, literally 35, 40 miles away. They're just not there. And I think what we need to see is just time. And I think that's the solution here. Farmers need to just get six or eight months of grace period so they can readjust their stocking rate so you don't have the carnage. If they got that six or eight months of um, um, actual grace period, next June and July they can de-stock when these animals are capped down. And that would be, as you rightly said earlier on, Sort out this huge issue of animal welfare, which is yeah, quite.
1: it's it's yeah, it's just not giving them the uh, the lead in time, and and you also feel the you know the issue of uh, increasing the amount of land that it that you feel wouldn't be an option for many.
3: See, everybody then will be in the same catchment area. will be looking for land. So you have one neighbour looking for a piece of land, the other neighbours looking for the same piece of land. We're not making more land out there. So the competition and the and the availability of land just isn't there yeah. because all the farmers in the catchment are on. Are all industry. looking for
1: it. Yeah, of course, of course, everyone's going to be going to be looking for the same amount. Now, I know uh, you're vice chair of the Joint Oireachtas Committee on uh, on uh, Agriculture. You're holding meetings aren't you, in the coming weeks. Are you hoping oh, that, sh- that some ch- changes can still be made at, at EU level?
3: Yeah, so what we're basically doing is myself and the chairman, Jackie Kaler, are actually putting together a series of hearings. We're inviting the department, tagish farming organisations. We're also looking at the international models regarding nitrates. And we're actually going to the commissioner and to the commissioner itself about trying to deal with this issue. The next 18 months are crucial for Irish farming to make sure that the derogation that's going to be talked about in 2024, 2025 can be renegotiated in an appropriate way. We've kept the 250 on the island in a limited way. It's going to be done off the back of water quality testing. We just need to make sure the regime regarding that is right. So what we're going to do in the next maybe six or eight months is have really intense negotiations with all the stakeholders and then directly go to the commissioner because it came very obvious to us when we met the commissioner, the lack of engagement with him was the key issue. His attitude to us was, why weren't we here 18 months ago? We're going to be in his face now. We're literally going to be over there every few months to make sure he knows exactly how we do things differently here. The commissioner is from Lithuania. He hasn't been in Ireland before. Well, he has been in Dublin. He hasn't been on a farm here. It's a totally different model of farming. Grassland farming is totally different compared to the European model. Like you look at the stocking rates of a place like Holland, it's 11 council hectare because it's all indoors. We're 1.8 council hectare here in Ireland because it's all outdoors. So messages like that need to be get across. Okay.
1: All right. And and I can see a number of people are making the same point with the the millions of people that are starving around the world. Could some of these animals uh, be exported to the likes of Africa or other places? Uh, Surely a cull is not the way to go.
3: I think it's right. I think, you know, it is terrible. It's a shocking scenario that you could have animals that are seven or eight months in calf potentially going up the actual line to be slaughtered. And I think, look, we have time here. We have time for the Minister to do something because the majority of all the farmers are horrified with this proposal. Okay,
1: and just a very final question. Lisa's on, I Have Tim on the line, would you ask him, please? Will Ballon Hassick get flood relief any time soon?
3: (coughs) So Balhasek has issues with six houses on the left-hand side coming to Balhasek. It's a significant issue. It's been there for an awful long time, I think. The flooding of the O'Neill River has always been a huge issue and how we actually find a solution to it. They applied for minor works from the OPW's department regarding that river itself. And there was minor work still in the village, which basically took the water from the pub, uh, Coleman's pub, underneath the actual J-Pitch into the owner week, which has sorted that part of the world. But the six houses further down the road, down by Paddy's Bridge, have not been sorted. And it's about trying to make sure we actually put something in place around Paddy's Bridge to, to protect those eight or nine houses that are affected.
1: But any sign of that happening?
3: I think it'll be a longer term project. I think what's going to happen here is there needs to be something done. Like it's, it's below the road. It's between the road and the river. I don't know what they have to build a bun around it. I actually don't know how you're going to engineer it out of it. They've sorted the village but these six houses are stuck in limbo at the moment. Well, it's tough.
1: All right, listen uh, Tim, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil West Cork, uh, Senator Tim Lambert. A lot of topic, a lot of Commentary coming in about flooding, but also about my chat on the derogation, and we could be losing, and farmers could be faced with having to call 41,000 cows, and it will have to be done in the next 10 weeks if, um, if there are no changes made to the night chase derogation. But on a completely different topic, and I, I'm really interested to. to I'm sure there are others listening will identify with Anne and will have gone through something similar at uh, some stage. Anyway, Anne contacted us to say, Patricia, I texted you back in July. It was to do with an insurance policy. Now, it's an insurance policy that Anne took out many, many years ago. It's one of those insurance policies. It's life cover that should she pass. There's a sum of money that is paid out. And she said, I took it out at the time when my children were young. I pay over the phone by card and they contact me every year and I pay. Now, my husband died seven years ago and they keep sending the renewal notice in his name seven years on. Then last month, I finally, finally got the renewal notice out and guess what? It was in my name. I was delighted. But that has taken seven years of Anne obviously contacting the company to say my beloved husband has passed away I still am going to pay this insurance policy, but can you send the renewal notice out in my name? So Anne said, I rang up the company, as I always do every year, and I paid the premium with my credit card over the phone. Then on Thursday, a letter arrived. It was the payment receipt. But guess what? The payment receipt and the letter arrived back once again addressed to my deceased husband how stupid is uh, that oh, it's, it, yeah it's frustrating as well and I, I and i know for a number of people and i would have spoken with people over the years about it it can be really really upsetting to have letters arriving in the name of a deceased loved one bereavement is hard enough and people struggle and do their best to get through that awful awful bereavement journey and for some the process can go on for many many years and the last thing you need particularly maybe on a good day where you're feeling there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel letter drops through the letterbox out you go pick it up and it's in the name of the deceased uh, person, and that that wave of of sadness and sorrow and grieving can just you know flow over somebody again. It's just it just frustrates the life out of me. Why companies? can't get this right because it's obviously a simple thing that it's, it's a computer I absolutely accept it isn't somebody sitting down once a year generating this letter and saying I'm just going to annoy Anne in Baden Temple and I'm going to send the letter out in her deceased husband's name it's a computer that's spitting out these premiums every year and they go to the post and then off, off they go but surely it's a simple thing of going into the computer file where Anne and her husband's name both work when they both took out the policy, deleting Anne's husband's name and just then leaving it in Anne's name, full name, full address and just sending out the renewal notices. And the fact that she could get a renewal notice with the correct name on it pays the premium And then the receipt comes out, but we're back to square one again with her dead husband's name on it. It's just really, really um, uh, shocking. And that got me thinking then, are other people having problems trying to get the deceased name of a partner removed from a bill or, you know, from some other service Provider that you have that you're getting bills into your house. Is that an ongoing uh, issue? Because I know at one stage they were trying to introduce like a one stop shop. I'm sure they have it in, in the UK. And it's just where, where as soon as somebody dies, you sign up to this and then all of the providers are linked into it and everybody's notified and then they know to remove that name from a particular bill and then get whatever the new name is going to be put uh, on the bill. But as uh, you know, it can be, it's I sense from Anne's commentary to it, she's more frustrated uh, by it, but it can be really upsetting uh, as well. And I know certainly when somebody passes away and you then have to engage with all these different uh, companies, that can be a nightmare uh, for people who are already grieving the loss of a much-loved partner and suddenly they're ringing up banks, they're ringing up their phone provider, they're ringing up their electricity provider, you know, to say my, you know, husband wife has passed away, can you now put the bill in my name? And you know, we've heard stories of trying to get onto a phone provider, oh, we need to spe- speak to the person whose name is on the bill. Sorry, the person whose name is on the bill has passed away and uh, you know, stupid questions and stupid statements like that been made. So it is it is an ongoing problem that does need to get sorted out there. We need to have a central office, obviously operated by the government that once, you know, they all of the the death notices are logged uh, and, you know, people get their death certificate, it should go into some kind of a central database that then sends the information uh, out. Uh, anyway, uh, Anne, I, I certainly sense your frustration, but we'll give it out to see are others in the same situation and are there are some companies that are better than others at straight away once they get notified, they'll change the name and you don't end up having to continuously get these letters to the post with a dead person's name uh, on it. always your views Welcomed, please. let me go back to some of your commentary coming in about flooding Jack is in Fair Hill. He says if they could dredge the owner Cora and Roxburgh Rivers, at least that would be a step in the right direction and it would help to relieve flooding for the town of Middleton. The number of people that say rivers need to be uh, dredged. Jack sounds like a man in the know. Hi Patricia, listening to your speaker um, it was either uh, Willie O'Leary, I'm assuming, who we spoke about flooding, about the issues to do with uh, flooding and how we need to have them sorted. Anything that needs to be done, needs to be done quickly. People need to be able to feel safe both on, on our roads but also need to feel safe in their homes and businesses that so they're not going to be in, in, uh, flooded. We see insurance costs rising, high prices on all the goods we are buying. We feel at times like we're banging our heads against a wall. The government appears to me to not be interested in anything outside of Dublin. Things really have to change so the government needs to take notice of these issues. Issues that we the people wish them to sort. We need guys and gals in positions that know how to do things. Maybe our politicians need to have worked in a business area before they decide to go into uh, politics. Jim says, Patricia, is it true that it was a mattress was the main cause of the sudden flooding in uh, Middleton in that the mattress had blocked the eye of the bridge? If so, a similar thing happened in Fremont uh, years ago when a bale of hay blocked the eye of the bridge. And guess what? The whole village flooded very quickly, says Jim. And when it was in Middleton, it was in Glenmire that they found um, a mattress and some other items that were dumped it's just doesn't it just show that when illegal dumping and fly tipping goes on and somebody who doesn't really give a hoot about their local community but needs to offload a mattress and just goes down and dumps it into a river and then the effect that it can have as it moves downstream but so yeah Jim you did hear it right but it wasn't Middleton it was in Glamire. a Hay listener says Patricia my heartfelt sympathies to all of those affected by the floods I've had friends who've been affected buy it. But let's be honest here. No insurance company is going to take on a property that is built or is on a flood plain. So expecting them to do so is simply ridiculous. The problem that we have is our rivers. You only have to go into the town of Buttovans. And what do we have? Trees growing in the middle of the river. To blaze us with Eamon Rhine, Europe and this government. The rivers need to be dredged and cleared. 65 millimetres of rain fell in Ballyhay. 42 millimetres fell on Sunday night alone. No land can take that quantity of water. Simple answer, the rivers have to be cleaned. And that's from Ballyhay listener. Thank you for that. That's some of your thoughts and comments on flooding. And then we had our piece with um, Senator Tim Lambert, who I think when I was signing off, I think I changed his party and called him Fianna Fáil. He's of course Fina Gale, so my apologies if I did. But some commentary in on that. Maria says, uh, really enjoyed your interview on derogation. Uh, I have to fess up and say I knew absolutely nothing about, I know nothing about farming and I have been hearing about this word nitrates, derogation and everything associated with it. I've been hearing about it a lot lately but I never fully engaged as I didn't understand what it was all about. So thank you for your informative chat with Tim Lombard and I think the way he broke it down was in really layman's terms so kudos to Tim for that. Uh, Maria feels this is public service broadcasting at its best. Thank you for that. Uh, I do think though that these type of informative interviews need to be rolled out nationwide and maybe do it on a weekly basis. As I'd be confident in saying the majority of non-farming people, like Maria is including herself, have a very different impression about this topic. And it's a negative one from the farmer's perspective uh, kind regards, uh, Maria. And I do think you're right. I think those of us that don't come from a farming uh, background don't fully understand when we hear farming organisations complain about it. And I think it does need to be complained to, uh, explained to us townies so that we have a better understanding of what is going on in agriculture. Because you remember, you know, agriculture to this economy is, is one of the backbones of this uh, a- economy and it feeds us as well, which is so, uh, so important. And then on the culling, a lot of people are really upset to hear 41,000 cows May be called. Uh, Heidi says this is outrageous to hear about the killing of cows, and it's all done to climate change. That's why the nitrates derogation is happening. We are simply not getting this right. Look at all the explosions are going on with the two wars we now going have in our on in our world at the moment. What are all of those explosions doing to our climate? Killing those cows is just down to a few people like Bill Gates and his mates making a decision. Look at what they tried to do to farmers in Holland. I think we need a big rethink around this. That's from Heidi. Bill is in Clannochilt. He says in 2013... The quota was removed. This was the milk quota. Simon Coveney, the then Minister for Agriculture at the time, was advising all farmers to expand, expand, expand. Farmers did. Now farmers have been told, well, sorry, you have to do the very opposite. Many farmers, for example, expanded their milk parlours, which hit the electricity grid. Also, the farmers were told that they, there was a deal done for baby formula with the Chinese. One common denominator here, the Agricultural Department. Millions and millions of people starving in the world and here we are in this country talking about a cull of our cattle. It needs to be uh, looked at. And another text in St. Patricia, there's a lot of talk about farmers having to kill cows in calf. Well, Patricia, who's going to implement the laws? Because the same guys were telling the farmers to drive on only last year. Why would any farmer want 800 cows? And how and when did that happen? More questions than answers. Well, the answer is well I don't know how many certainly the small farmers so I don't think would have anything like uh, 800 head of cattle but I know the point you're making when the quota was lifted they were all told to expand 0818 or one zero three one zero three. John Paul's taking your calls if there's anything you want to get off your chest or you want to comment on any of the issues we're discussing we'd love to hear from you you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103, 103 Jobs Apprentice window fitters and assistants are required. It's for the Cork area. Own transport necessary. Uh, CVs, please, to William at Energy Glazing, or you can phone William on 086 324 1718. Full or part-time childcare assistant wanted for Carig Navarre. Your email is tracy38murphy at yahoo.co.uk. Bandon Kitchens have a vacancy for an apprentice cabinet maker. Now you do need to have good English, and your own transport would be an advantage. CVs, please, to info at bandonkitchens.ie. And a sales assistant is wanted for Super Value in Riverside Shopping Centre in Bandon. CVs to Nicole O'Driscoll at musgrave.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Cmig.ie
1: continues to be reported that towns and villages around the country are recovering today and that was following another night of heavy rain. It's the tail end of Storm Babette. is continuing to wreak havoc across the country. However, it also emerged last night that small businesses and voluntary organisations affected by the storm will be able to avail of up to €100,000 in state relief. So to see how the town of Middleton is recovering I'm once again joined by Eleanor Dunley of Lollipop uh, Kids Shoes. Uh, Good morning to you Eleanor. Good morning how are you this morning? Uh, Well I'm well. How are you doing? Uh, Because when I last spoke with you I tell you my heart broke for you. Uh, Nearly a week on now. It's a week tomorrow (coughs) from the devastating floods. How are you doing?
4: It's a complete nightmare still to me. Well look I'm probably Look, I'm not. I, it's us really here in Middleton. It's been it's been a terrible, terrible week. But if there's anything, anything anyone can see here is the unitedness we've sta- stood together. Community is just on its knees, and my God, have people turned up for us all day. I'm here in my shop now. I've a little kitty, shoe shop here in Middleton, and I'm here now putting lovely. I just said, you know what? It's bright... My window looks disgusting because my it's a colourful shop I have. Yeah. So what I have up in my window now, lovely little my my people, my children might my... call them, but my customers. My children have made lovely pictures here and I'm just putting my window with lovely colour. And, you know, it's just giving me a small bit of hope to, you know, and all we can do is hope that the government will... I know they're saying this and saying, that look, all we need now is help now and, you know, hoping to rebuild.
1: Yeah, and actually... Um... John Paul has just sent to me a picture that you've sent on of the the little paintings from oh, uh, the children I and and the lovely and like the that, rainbows so. the yeah. rainbows of hope. They're, it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's
4: what we have to keep is a rainbow of hope for everybody here in the town for people's homes first and foremost, and businesses then. So look, we can just we we'll just have to battle on. But like I have as I, I was on to one of my my reps today, who I buy stock from all foreign companies I deal with is German we have no Irish companies that make children's shoes anymore so it's a German company and the help that he's offered is, people have just seen something else so I he said to me what, what sizes do you need I said Kevin I have nothing I have nothing so anything better than nothing is better than nothing you know what I mean so look it's been a tough, tough couple of weeks for yeah and
1: and of course when you spoke of this last week you had explained you'd got your Christmas stock in Absolutely, but it's just, it's just you're
4: here now, I'm standing, and do you know what I'm
1: doing now as I'm speaking to is putting pictures on the window of children
4: have dropped beautiful little drawings down. Just a little personal little letter and all these small little things really will bring us all together again, hopefully. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and you're, you're oh. right to point out from the minute we started talking to people in Middleton, everyone was talking about even that—you know the day of it and the day after. Oh. Uh, the people the have totally oh. rallied.
4: Rally isn't the word for it, you know. I mean and look all we need now is for people. There is we're very lucky this end of the town now There's a few businesses starting to open. Great and hand the restaurant up across up next to me. The Lattertory across the road. So I'm just pleading with everyone, just even if it's just a matter of coming in, getting a sandwich, support local and you know, we all kind of. We're, it's like it's like that we're all in this together and we'll pull each other out of it as best we can. It'll probably, if I am to open again, it'll probably be maybe three to four weeks. I'm not sure. I want to open yesterday. Yeah. But, you know, it's just not going to, uh, realistically speaking, I can't open my shop with no stock. Of course. So we have so midterm. All the suppliers that will come. Midterm is my busy time with children off school. And yeah. parents have time to take the kids for shoes. and my, But this is my big, but look, I just have got to forget about that now and move forward because it's not. It's becoming at this stage now. It's it's an, it's being a, it's looking around my shop here. I've actually nothing in here.
1: Nothing. Yeah, and the cabinet today, Eleanor, expected to sign off on this enhanced uh, scheme, and and you know the rumour is that it could, it'll be as high as as a hundred thousand. Uh, do you take comfort from that that at least funding is on the way?
4: Um, I we do. I do. I do. To be quite honest, but like, uh, someone asked me, did they really put a value on your figure? It's, 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 you couldn't it, looking out there in the deluge I'm sure I spent one pictures in my social media or I didn't but there's enough on social media you've seen pictures of the stuff that's gone out you couldn't put a you know it's, it's all very fine putting a value on that but it's the value now of stuff that I need it's middle season you won't get very much yeah. so I'm hoping that my rest I have a rest there he's living in McCroom, Kevin Hinchin he's absolutely been so helpful and I'm just hoping the rest of the rest will come out and you know I've been answering this morning I'm just waiting on the call now from two more to give me a you know. Get things in motion. Yeah, because... Be very, but on a positive note, looking out the window here, it's, it's, you know, it's business back in, back in action for lots of business in town and we'll build it gradually.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, of course, all of the shoe shops would have had their Christmas deliveries, so it's, go, it's, it's what stock is and left. The and, yeah. the, and the clothes
4: shops. And, you yeah. know, you know, everybody has... It's not just... It's not... This isn't about me at all And this thing. It's about us and the town of Middleton, really, to be honest with you.
1: Okay, so fingers crossed that that stock will start arriving, and as soon as it starts arriving, then would you be able to open up Elner?
4: I'll be open if I
1: have
4: if I have two legs under me. I'll be open if I have it. I can tell you that for sure. If I have the funding, and you see, it's payment plans. I want my business, and so not, that stock is even paid for. So that's kind of the bin.
1: I know. So I, I know. have,
4: to, and that's okay. I'm prepared. Like if my business was struggling, which is do, I have a, five, a lovely little business here. Here in Middleton, I've been here, I've been working in the town 32 years and I have my own business, six fifteen 15 of that. So it's not as if my business is struggling. I have a good, solid business. If it wasn't, I'd run and I'd start feeling sorry for myself. Not when I was probably speaking to the last day. I was probably feeling sorry for myself, but you know what?
1: The best in the No one will I'm well, going back again. Well done, well done. Okay, listen. We wish you luck with it, Eleanor. Great. And thanks, thanks once again uh, for no joining problem. us. Um, I want to move on because I want to bring in uh, Fine Gael uh, local councillor uh, Susan McCarthy. Um, uh, good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Patricia. There, How are you? I'm very well. Now, there's a long way to go, but there is a sense that the the town is really doing its best to recover, Susan.
5: Absolutely. And I have to say, I have to agree with uh, Eleanor uh, that it's just wonderful to see the resilience. That's the word that I'd have to use, the resilience of this town. And the way that they've come together, the solidarity as well, the way that people have helped so, so much. And I just want to compliment Eleanor on um, the, her, the, the front of her shop because I passed by it last night and it just warmed my heart <laughs> to see all the pictures in the window. And I just have to say, Eleanor, i visited her premises on Thursday and it was completely destroyed. All these beautiful kids shoes, beautiful colours. She has a really colourful shop. She puts her heart and soul into that business. And I have to say, to see you know, what she's doing and the way she's like, right, we are going to pick up and start again. And there's so much of that reflected in so many businesses and so many business people across the town. And indeed, like, we can't not mention all of the, you know, all of the homes that I visited as well up in Tierclune and Willowbank and down Drury's Lane. And, you know, they're all like, you know, they're trying their best. Their houses have been gutted, destroyed, their lives completely wiped and they're starting again. They're building again. It yeah, has been magnificent
1: it's, it's, to see. It's been amazing. And, uh, you know, and already some of the shops managing uh, to reopen. And I believe tradesmen were particularly good at getting in to try and help people.
5: They were. I mean, our, I don't know if you know, Patricia, but because I'm on the main street, our own business was affected. That's and a
1: news agent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And
5: I suppose it would be the first time for us. We, we were not prepared at all because we don't get that type of flooding. None of us on the main street have ever seen anything like what happened on Wednesday last. None of us. But I suppose, you know, kind of um, people really did come in. I mean, I have to, you know, give a shout out to, uh, it, well, there's no point in kind of, get, it, it listed too long. Yeah. But certainly I remember Ross McCarthy coming around and saying, what sockets do you need? But well, where are all the sockets till we replace all the saturated and contaminated sockets? And he did that in businesses all across. But there were carpenters, there were builders, um, you know, there were so many, you know, I, I, every single building contractor in the town was down on the street helping people, whether it was removing rubble or whether it was kind of, you know, we had people skimming our doors because they were all swollen and they wouldn't open and close, you know, with the, the water yeah, saturation. Yeah. People were amazing. All the food businesses that were still open that weren't affected. There was a constant flow of food in, you know, in, into every business in town. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people affected. And and they were also went out to, I've heard of businesses, you know, Cornerstone Pizza bringing Food up to estates. It was just incredible. It was incredible, and you know, we have we have had such horrible loss in this town, but my God, have the people come together?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's good for the soul, isn't it? Sometimes you know nobody would want what happened last week, but the reaction to it has been simply incredible.
5: It's be it's nearly the, the event itself was beyond comprehension, Patricia. But yeah. then you see. The response to the event that was also beyond, oh, way above and beyond what any of us expected. Um, I suppose b- me being a public representative, I'm affected politically. I'm affected, you know, I'm affected pro- professionally with our business and personally because some of our home was damaged as well, some of our our, our own belongings. And just to see the people that arrived at our door on, on on Thursday, just people. Some of them I hadn't seen them in years, even though they live close by. Just. It was just incredible. And that was replicated across every single business and and households as well. Like, there's no point in getting into the list of, you know, because we've already discussed that, but the emergency services, whether it be the fire department, whether it be the civil defence, everybody just came together and they were all local people. And some of them were affected themselves. You yeah.
1: know, everyone had one main main aim, and that was to do whatever that they could do at that moment in time. I, I and we were waiting on the cabinet uh, to hear about the enhanced payments. I mean, there's talks that it could go up to a um, hundred thousand. So it does look like the businesses are certainly going to be uh, looked after, and the humanitarian fund is there for people who couldn't can't get house uh, insurance. But I saw on the Echo this morning, uh, Susan, and I was glad to see that you brought it up. You asked for a weights raver for Middleton businesses. What response did you get?
5: Um, Well, I suppose I can understand our chief executive saying, look, it really is up to central government to step up here. And we have to be fair and say that they have done. You know, I mean, um, Antishuk, you know, made contact on Thursday morning and came down. And I was kind of, because we were affected ourselves, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm in this space. I just, I'm so, you know, the upset and the loss I just didn't know whether I was able to put that hat on and go around with him. I really, you know, but he went around, he assured people, he gave people time and he assured us that there would be a huge increase. It was originally 20,000 during the last flood, that particular humanitarian assistance fund. That has now been, as we know, we're, we're going to hear confirmation of that at one o'clock, but that is being increased fivefold, you know. And if that is correct, and we're assuming it is, because I've had it from pretty good... uh,
1: Sources.
5: Sources, so I would imagine, now, I mean, there may be some opposition from deeper, from that side of the the, the Cabinet, but please God, I would say, from from all the ministers that visited here, and, and, you know, I must say they were welcome to, to come down, I'm glad to have shown them the devastation, the scale of it. They are responding because they have seen it, and they have seen it's been like nothing they have ever seen anywhere across the country before. This is the worst that yeah, they have ever seen. I think every, ever.
1: everyone is is acknowledging that. Everyone is, is, yeah. is acknowledging that. So uh, onwards and upwards for Middleton, it will, I mean, it will take some time for all of the shops to be uh, fully reopened. But, The shop local is going to be now more important than ever this Christmas, uh, Susan.
5: Absolutely, we really need to get that message out, Patricia, and and we're inviting people from other towns. And you know, it it is lovely to see. I, you know, obviously, people from across the county and indeed across the country have reached out to me. You know, in my position as a public rep, and said, "I will be down." People are actually going to travel to come and shop in our town.
1: That's great. Just to to give support. Honestly, that is that
5: is it's just so. Hurt, and we. I had the, lo- I had your it.
1: local primary school on yesterday, at CBS talking about their fundraiser and they're blown away by the generosity of people as well. So, so well done, one and all. All right, Susan, listen, we'll leave it there. No doubt we will talk about it uh, again. And in particular, the push to have the flood relief scheme put in place for the town. Absolutely, but thank yeah. you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you, Patricia. Good well, morning you. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Fine Gael Councillor for Middleton, uh, Susan McCarthy. Herself, their her own business and house uh, and home affected by the flooding and before that we heard from uh, the wonderful Eleanor Dunley with her fabulous uh, Lollipop Children's Shoe Shop. In the last uh, 20 years nearly a quarter of Ireland's pubs have closed with Cork and Limerick losing almost one in three since 2005. So to hear that a young 19-year-old has decided to take over the running of a pub is an unusual event in itself to find out why and more Dermot Lehan joins me from the Rock Bar in Newmarket. Good morning to you Dermot.
6: Good morning Patricia, you're, how are you I'm,
1: doing? I'm doing well. At 19 you're just about legal to be able to drink Just about <laughs> let, right. let alone take over the running of a pub. Now there, this the Rock Bar in Newmarket for people outside the area who don't know it it hasn't closed, you're simply taking it over, isn't that the yes, case? That's right. Yeah, it, ha- it hadn't closed down. So, um, why did you decide that the pub trade was for you?
6: Well, I'm working in it. I've extended family that own a pub in Wheeling, Quinlan's Bar in Meiling.
7: Okay. They'd
6: be extended family of ours. And of course, since New High, I'm collecting glasses and that kind of crack. And then I went working in hotels, the International Hotel in Clarny. I was serving tables and the are Hotel in Trilly. Then went into the bar work and got to like it.
1: And did I did I see your college course with hotel management?
6: I had done a college course hotel management uh, for a year and three.
1: So you kind of looked at all aspects, but it's the it's the pub side of it. Is the is that, do I take it that's the part you yeah. most enjoy? And, yeah. And and why do you think you enjoy it so much?
6: I just I'm just the kind of person that likes meeting new people. Do you know, just like likes the chats. So put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and what did your family make of the decision?
6: you're a, at the start like they were questioning they were questioning the whole thing of course but they're kind of have to come around the now so
1: But there's a lot more to running a bar than just pulling the pints
6: Yeah of course there's a lot of work now there, there's more work than I realise like behind the scenes we'll say between paperwork and ordering and everything that follows it like
1: And it isn't there's a lot of overheads as well isn't there I mean Yeah it
6: isn't it isn't cheap like like it was a it was a big investment to start off like between insurance and stock and ESB Wi Fi you name it like they're all big bills now.
1: Now you're it's it, you're you're in Newmarket you're in a rural town so I I take it you're not open from half ten in the morning.
6: No, I'd be kind of during the week. Now I'd be I'm working nine to five myself, so to be six o'clock every evening during the week, and then I'd open about three o'clock on a Saturday, and then about half twelve on the Sunday.
1: Hang on now, backtrack there a bit. You, you're you working nine to five Monday to Friday? I am. <laughs> and then home, a quick bite to eat, and you're out to the pub?
6: and ready to go again, yeah.
1: And have you anybody else working in the pub with you?
6: I would at the weekends, all right, but I do it during the week myself. I would have had the Saturday and Sunday evenings, but other than that.
1: You're obviously not shy of work.
6: Oh, definitely not then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what's well the d- <laughs> what's the day job?
6: I'm with Munster Fire and Safety in the Street where Oh yeah. So uh, I'm actually a fire extinguishers. I I do be servicing fire extinguishers, we do replacing fire extinguishers, we do fire alarms, safety clothing, you name it.
1: Yeah. So are you out and about on the road then calling yeah. to be yeah, calling to be, Oh yeah. so, so you you have a job where you're interacting with people during the day as well?
6: Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> and then are you telling them all about the Rock Bar in New Markets to get some new customers in?
6: Yeah, of course, we boosted <laughs> a bit, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what, what are, okay, describe the Rock Bar. How How would you describe it to, to somebody who's never been in it?
6: Well, like to the to the rural bar, like to the description of an Irish pub, like from when when you walk in the door, you know, it's not a sports bar. It's just that kind of bar where you know you that everyone will talk to you kind of a thing. If you're a stranger, like, you won't be ignored by anyone.
1: And all of the locals, does everybody know each other?
6: Yeah, it's that kind of a town like. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the kind of a bar that if Paddy doesn't show up on a Friday night for his usual yeah. pint at 10, he'll be missed.
6: You'll be wondering, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Have you long-term plans uh, for, for the bar, Dermot?
6: I'm not sure, to be honest. For this bar, I'm not sure. My long-term plans for the future of myself is a bar restaurant to either own or lease one. But I can't, I can't see it happening in Newmarket To be honest, it's it's gone quite like it's home itself has just gone, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, it's the population is the is the yeah. issue, isn't it? People have, population
6: uh, and the the drink driving is a big key, like.
1: Yeah, and are you getting young people in?
6: Yeah, like a young. I'm I'm not getting as many as I was expecting. To be honest, but at the same time, Friday night, Saturday night, with a great turnout. Saturday night. Newmarket won the two-halo final.
1: Great.
6: And beat from Tariff. So, of course, it had a great weekend of it. But, like, the young crowds, they're good enough to come out, like. But during the week, you wouldn't see them, do you know?
1: Yeah. But there are, some of them are probably not even around. But Yeah, between yeah, college and work. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's the weekend. Did Are you going to start doing cocktails? Because they're big business for young people. Yeah,
6: they are my next, they are my next adventure now. I'm actually having my grand opening this weekend. And there, that's the launch of the cocktails as well, Friday night.
1: And are you good to mix a cocktail?
6: Yeah, <laughs> I'd be, I've i I've plenty of that experience as well from Shirley, and I used to work in the Haggart in Fremont.
1: What's your What's your favourite cocktail to make?
6: To make, I suppose the strawberry daiquiri because it's fairly basic, like you know, fairly easy.
1: I do you go? Do you do a good espresso martini? I I'd, I'd say to it. Was all right, I haven't
6: I haven't tasted it, but oh, I don't a, think I do it too bad from 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 reviews.
1: I'm a big fan of the espresso martinis, but I'm partial to a strawberry daiquiri as well. So I'll, <laughs> uh, so I'll definitely be in. I'd say the cocktails are. There's been an explosion, hasn't there, in in cocktails?
6: Yeah, they're they're really taking off. Like and like they're 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 pricey, like. But there is, do you know, there is something different to them than a regular pint or a regular spirit, like
1: do you know. And the younger generation, for sure, are into, yeah, are of into. Course. And what about then the zero alcohol? Are, are you seeing any? I know you're, you're not long in, in, at the moment, but are, you, are they selling well?
6: They're selling all right. We actually have a trade session here on Wednesday night, and that would be kind of our night for the minerals and zero alcohols. I have um, two, two zero alcohol ciders and the Heineken 00. zero. See, but like that said, away, okay. It's just... Of course, people can't drive home, though, like after having a few drinks.
1: So. Yeah, so if people want to... choice. Yeah, and not everybody wants to be filling up on, on soft drinks, so they... they yeah. And they have... I mean, you'd be way too young to remember when they first, the non-alcoholic beers came out. I mean, they were disgusting. How There was nobody drinking them. Yeah. But, but now it's... It, you'd be hard pushed, wouldn't you, to tell yeah, the difference? Yeah,
6: it, it's... Like, it, if I was driving... When I used to be going out, we'd say the weekends, and if I was driving for the Saturday night... I and zero, zero, I can't taste the difference.
1: Though. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't. Yeah. And I know I'm not a Guinness drinker, but I'm told the zero, zero Guinness is the same. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and I mean, I know you can buy zero alcohol gins and everything and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very hard to tell, to tell the difference. And then for people trying to get home after a night out, taxis, I mean, the, the, the taxis is a huge issue in, in city, in urban areas. But is that a massive issue in rural areas? Yeah, it, uh, is, it
6: is a huge issue. Like around here really we've no we've no taxi service. What so if we have on a Saturday night, there's the local link. It's kind of a bus service yeah. that collects you from your house at a certain time and it'll drop you home at a certain time. But that's that's the only option all week, like the Saturday night. Yeah. It is a I, great it is a great help like for anyone living rurally, but at the same time for one night a week, you know.
1: But at least one night a week, you can be guaranteed, you'll be... Yeah, of dri- course, yeah, you'll be guaranteed,
6: you're a few customers there.
1: Like. Yeah, and then you need to, get groups need to get together, and one has to be the designated driver for one week, and that's that's the other way to solve it. Listen, it, uh, Dermot, we wish you the best of luck you're having, did you say, an official kind of an opening this weekend?
6: Yeah, the official opening now, this Friday night, I have music from Big Maggie and Billy O'Brien to open us up.
1: Big Maggie and, then, and Billy O'Brien, okay, yeah. that's. And one. we're
6: going uh, 70s, 80s disco then on the Saturday night and then a uh, country and western disco for kind of kids and adults the Sunday evening.
1: Okay, you've got a busy weekend ahead. We wish you luck with it, uh, Dermot, and, and, and well done, well, well done. It's a, it's a huge undertaking for somebody so young, so we, we wish you luck and you've got great ambition about you and I think you're really going to go far. But listen, thanks for taking time out to talk to us.
6: Thanks a minute, Patricia. Okay, good morning to you. you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That
1: Bye-bye. is uh, Dermot Lehan of the Rock Bar in Newmarket. I'll have to make it my business to go uh, and have a strawberry daiquiri there. Uh, Eddie and Oven says, best best of luck to that young man in his new venture in the pub uh, trade. Yeah, it's just, when I was looking yesterday, when I knew Dirmish was coming on and I, w- I was going back through the figures because I've done so many interviews about pubs closing, particularly pubs closing in, in rural areas and, you know, um, uh, here a fifth of we've lost a fifth of our pubs. Now some will say we had too many uh, to start with but when you dig down into the figures, us here in Cork and our neighbours in Limerick, we've been the most affected in that we've lost one in three uh, since 2005 so there was you know it's good to see Dierma decided no I'm going to do something about that and I'm going to take over the local bar in uh, Newmarket that's so the Rock Bar good luck to him, uh, particularly this open, the, the official opening this weekend Michael in Bale Newer in Bantry wants to send congratulations to Austin O'Connor Austin is from Pencil Hill Hazelwood outside Donorell. he won a five star show jumping award in Maryland in the US of A uh, this week and he said there's not enough been said about this young uh, horseman. Well, we've mentioned Austin O'Connor before on the programme. He's he's represented this country and done extremely well for Ireland. So congratulations. But I was unaware of what he's won in the States. So congratulations to Austin. And thank you, Michael, for enlightening us. And we're glad to give Austin uh, a shout out. Jim then was on to us. Uh, t- is this to do with his health insurance renewal? And we're coming up to that time of year for health insurance renewal, uh, particularly as we get to the end of the year. The start of January is going to be a busy, busy time. And I think most people are kind of dreading the health insurance premium coming in because uh, we, everyone is expecting what we're going to see uh, increases anyway. Uh, Jim's health insurance renewal arrived and he says he's been paying health insurance since the 1960s but this time on the bill a little bit of time in his hands he decided to start reading the small print and he's, he came across something that's called the health insurance levy and he said for himself and his wife the health insurance levy on his renewal came in at 857 euros. Jim thought that was a huge sum of money and he's wondering how many others realise how much they're paying into this health insurance uh, levy but he just couldn't get over that it was nearly €1,000 for himself and his wife and the health insurance levy has been in for for a number of years uh, now and it it involves transfer patients between health insurance and it is to spread some of the the claims costs of the higher risk, older and less healthy members among all of the private insurers in the market and it's in proportion to their uh, market share and they brought it in. It was to stop health insurers then cherry-picking and only going for the younger people who, like Jim, back in the 60s when he was paying his health insurance, he didn't have any claims in. But as he's getting older, that's when he starts to have the claims. So they needed to make it as fair as possible so that all health insurers would take equal proportions but some will take more of the older because... People might like to stay with their he- same health insurance provider, for example. So in order to balance it out, they introduced this health insurance uh, level uh, that unfortunately we all have to pay. We don't have any choice. How how much is actually set on, I'm, I'm not too sure. But then it's divvied up between all of the different insurance companies to balance out how many older versus how many younger uh, patients or uh, clients that they actually uh, have and John Paul tells me he is trying to get an update figure on health insurance at levy He's trying to get an updated figure from Revenue. as yeah, I'm interested to know how they actually work it out. That how much is paid? Is it a standard amount that's paid across each premium? I'd be interested in that. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And then there was some people reacting to Anne, who uh, seven years ago her beloved husband passed away, and seven years later she's still getting a renewal notice on an insurance policy. The insurance policy now is for her. At one stage, it was obviously for her husband. She's paying the premium every year, but. It's just annoying her that the renewal notice comes in her husband's name even though she's contacted him and obviously their insurance company I'm assuming they paid out on, on, on her husband's policy says so they know he's now deceased and so this was the first year that the renewal letter arrived in her own name it's just saying happy days they finally copped on so she paid over the phone and then the receipt arrived this week and the receipt is back in her husband's name so she's kind of very frustrated about it Eileen said many companies automatically have names stored on their systems so for insurance and other companies. Sometimes they will request that you must give them a copy of the debt certificate in order for them uh, to change it over the phone. But you have some change it over the phone, but you have to advise them to change it and make it clear to them on the phone to change the name, and that's to get it done. But many insurance and government departments, uh, etc., need a death certificate. But like Anne has been at pains to point out to them, and they haven't asked her for a death certificate. And the fact that it is an insurance company and it was a life insurance policy that they would have paid out, they know that the man is no longer uh, alive and how can they send out a renewal notice in the correct name getting it right after seven years and then they get the receipt wrong that's just not making any sense at all and Liz in Ballyclaw says uh, usually a death certificate can fix all of that just send in a copy of the death certificate but, but see I even question why we have to go to that length you know uh, particularly after all those years when they know that the, the man is, is deceased I can understand uh, you can't just really nilly ring up a company and say so-and-so is dead and that, that they may need uh, proof of it but once they know for sure that the person has passed away, I don't know why people have to constantly start sending in copies of uh, death certificates. Always 103, 103 and then our chat with young Dermot Lahan, the 19-year-old who's decided to take over the rock bar in Newmarket. Big reaction uh, to that. Here's one in saying well done to Dermot on his new venture in taking over the rock bar in uh, Newmarket market and he really did, says this texter, have a baptism of fire on Saturday night with the New Market hurlers winning the Dohalo final. The entire team all came back to the bar after the parade through the town and Dermot had to call on a few outside the bar with some bar experience to volunteer and help him out as he was under so much pressure. Then I heard he had some plumbing issues in the toilet. They had to be sorted out before the opening on Sunday but he and his family are very hard working and it doesn't phase him, and hopefully the new market hurlers will go all the way to the county final. And there'll be many more good nights celebrating up to Christmas at the Rock Bar. <laughs> okay, thank you uh, for that. Yeah, and he certainly isn't shy of work. He's a nine to five job, and then seven nights a week he's in the bar and all day Saturday and all day Sunday. He's not shy of work for sure. Joe in Kilmaik says, in our time, this is me talking about the amount of pubs that closed in our town of Kilmallock. At one stage, there was nine pubs alone that was just on the main street. The last pub closed down a few months ago. Now for the entire town of Kilmallock there's just three pubs. So best of luck to Dermot for giving this a go and keeping it going Dennis says best of luck to Dermot it's great to hear young people working hard there are a lot of young people out there who are holding down two uh, jobs Sheila Ballancolic says many areas are again fighting to keep bars open for, if for nothing else but a place for the community to meet up so well done areas like Newmarket need to keep their rural pub so well done to Dermot Kieran is in Watergrass Hill he said he'd go to the local bar and he drinks the Z zero alcohol ciders and beers. He said he mainly goes to meet up with friends for a catch up. He said it isn't all about drink but just really to have a catch up and sit and chat with your friends. He said he's often out with a group of his buddies, there could be six of them and he said five of them could be on zero alcohol drinks. So the interest in zero alcohol drinks is growing particularly for people who need to drive and it's great to keep social interaction uh, alive. And Martin, in fromoy was listening heard me talk because I was just interested in, in Diarmut and how the sales of the zero alcohol are going, particularly when he was saying that the introduction of the stricter drink driving laws, that has been the death nail of many uh, rural pubs. Martin in feels said all bars should sell zero alcohol drinks. Ban the real stuff. Have an alcohol-free country. It would solve a lot of problems across the board, says Martin. God, you'd be into prohibition then, Martin, and we know the prohibition doesn't uh, work, but there would be some people who have a, have a strong view about the demon drink and would love to see it banned uh, completely. We mentioned dumping and the dumping caused some of the flooding last week, dumping in our rivers. Hi, Patricia. I heard you talking about dumping. Just to let you know, on, in, in Rylan, Ahabolic Road, somebody has decided to uh, dump a bag full of dirty nappies. Somebody who doesn't want to pay to have the dirty nappies collected because obviously they weigh quite a lot has gone to the effort of filling up a black plastic bag and then going for a little drive out the rylan Ahabolic Road and when nobody was looking, decided to dump. Shame, shameful, absolutely shameful. On the nitrates derogation that we spoke about with Senator Tim Lombard, Michael said it is just a murderous act to call thousands, tens of thousands of cows in this country. And to hear Tim say many of them are in calf, that really sent a shiver down my spine. We are gone insane with the height of ignorance and it should be prevented at all costs. Guaranteed, those supposedly educated pen pushers will be looking for a further murderous act next year. The same educated lot prevented us from dredging rivers and today, we have the result of their actions. Plenty of flooding and more to come. Would somebody please ask RTE to bring the On the Land programme back? It was inspirational, educational and had a massive following, says Michael. Do others remember that programme, On the Land? and actually just when you're on I'll get to our team in a minute because there's a few more on the nitrates derogation a listener said, we here in Ireland We have the best farmers and we produce the best cattle cows because of it. Why have Ireland been picked on by the people in Europe? The same people have never walked on an Irish farm. This is simply the nitrates derogation is simply not fair to the wonderful farmers in this country. And someone else said there are countries out there much bigger than our little Isle of Ireland with huge amount of nitrates. Why is Ireland being used as what I feel is Europe's test tube. They need to leave Ireland alone, says this texter. And just on RTE, seeing as Michael mentioned, RTE should bring back that programme on the land. Somebody, John, was talking about RTE by way of text and said, Patricia, RTE is just the government or a state-funded body that just keeps on giving the latest to come out. 600 people were deemed self-employed by RTE. Hmm, Not so, says Revenue. It turns out they were all full-time employees of RTE and now guess what? Revenue want their money. Revenue are owed 20 million euro in PAYE, PRSI and USC charges. These people now are also entitled to holidays pay. Pension contributions and maternity leave. Another massive bill for RTE but guess what it's the licence payer and the checker will end up paying it. The management who presided over this well guess what they're all gone and all of them left with big exit packages. Many that they won't now even disclose to the public accounts committee says John. Not happy with RTE and I did see it never rains but it pours for RTE. There's a piece in the paper today that I think the newsroom and other parts of the campus, they have a rodent infestation and it looks like they've got some rats. So rent a have moved in uh, to sort that uh, out. And then just one final uh, text to get to, from a FOMOI uh, listener. Hi Patricia, I'm going for my NCT tomorrow evening. Good luck with it. Well, my car is going, not me. Even though you'll have to bring the car along. Uh, it should have gone in February but we've been waiting Obviously, with the delays, uh, the earliest test I could get is uh, tomorrow night. I'm wondering, if my car passes tomorrow evening, will I get a 12-month NCT certificate? Or will it just be for four months because it was meant to be tested last uh, February? I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Firstly, I do hope your NCT passes with flying colours. But yes, your, that, your lovely car will be due for NCT again next February, and it's a bone of contention. A lot of people object to it, and a lot of people feel that the day you get your NCT, particularly when there's delays with getting the NCT because of the backlog, people feel that your 12 months should kick in from the day you get your NCT. But the powers that be at NCT and the road safety authority who operate it say no your NCT will run from the day that it was due. So, yes, you'll be back again in four months. I would nearly, as soon as you get home, my suggestion would be apply for your next NCT uh, in order to try and get it in February and then at least you'll get back into a yearly cycle. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103
0: 103 The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie
1: now as part of the Glen Theatre Band here their drama festival Connor Drama Group are presenting Bobby Gould in uh, Hell the Glen Theatre Drama Group are presenting Mary Mary and Kilmean Drama Group will present Home From Abroad Bingo on in Shambhali Moore Community Centre tonight at 8 they've got a jackpot of €2,750 euro. all are welcome a group will travel from Dublin on the 28th of April next year to take on the final section of the Portuguese Coastal Camino. You will walk from Oa to Santiago. It's 110 kilometres over the week. All funds raised will ensure Cara can continue their support services for bereaved parents. If you'd like to find out more, you can email uh, jconway at Anamkara.com or call Dublin 404-5378. And as part of the Expert Electrical National Coffee Morning, JJ's Appliance in Kanturk and Charleville will be holding a coffee and tea morning from 10am to 11.30 tomorrow morning in their stores. All proceeds are going to the Autism Spectrum Ireland Advocacy uh, Movement. And one for next Sunday, Crookstown Vintage Club are hosting their entertainment for the senior citizens of the parish. Now, it's being held next Sunday at two in the afternoon in the wonderful Fern Hill House Hotel in Clonakilty. It'll start with a meal and then it'll be followed by an evening of music and dancing to Jerry McCarthy and Autumn Gold. But if you're planning on going, they need to get the numbers in, please. So, Deirdre at Crookstown Post Office could you contact her, please, to say you will be attending the Crookstown Vintage Club and their uh, their day out for the senior citizens next uh, Sunday.
0: Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. C M I G dot
1: And we've been talking about flooding yet again on the program. Patrick Hollow reckons that all those people whose homes were flooded all over Cork or indeed all over the country wherever it is that they should be exempt from property tax for a number of years and that's not a bad uh, suggestion Kate uh, joins me this afternoon Good afternoon Kate Hi Patricia Uh, Kate you've contacted us about this group of houses in Ballonhasic that I actually touched on when I was interviewing Senator Tim Lombard earlier on Your parents I believe live in one of these houses
8: Yeah they do um, along with eight other homes, we have yeah, quite quite a few people here. Eight families. You okay, know.
1: they're they're outside the village, just outside the village of Balunhasak.
8: Yeah, just outside. So a lot of people pass by our road. It's a very busy road, Um so people would be going to and fro quite a lot. So you definitely know us. You definitely yeah, see us.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now the problem is that they have flooded a number of times.
8: Yes, this is our third time in fourteen years after being flooded.
1: Back in 2009, 2015, and then you were done again last week.
8: Yes, exactly. And this time around, unfortunately, um, none of the houses have flood insurance. Now, I was speaking with a few residents, and some didn't have it the second time either. So, you know, it's it's a huge expense to have to shoulder yourself. Um, So, you know, we've we've all kind of started gutting our homes and um, trying to save what we can assessing the damage you know it, it, it's taking us this long still we're almost a week a week down and we're still doing it
1: how bad um, how bad was it last week
8: uh, in our house we had nine and a half inches of water it depends like different houses have had different levels of water some of them had as one of my neighbours she sent me a bunch of photos yesterday and she said that she had photos of it of the flood water coming through and then she you know, she had to actually leave because it was coming into her Wellington booth Wow. That's how much water was coming into their house. So their house is, she said, the cabinets and everything. You know, like the ruined, crazy, ruined. Ruined. Ruined.
1: Are you are you bungalows or two story houses?
8: It's a combination.
7: Uh, what's it's yours? A
8: combination. Ours is a, a two story. So we have okay. only three rooms upstairs, two bedrooms, and then we have more bedrooms and uh, living space downstairs.
1: So so what, what what was destroyed? What cannot be used from last week? Um, we're still going through it. We're, we're, we're drying
8: stuff out. We're hoping, like, furniture and things like that are okay. We got a lot of things up. Um, okay. At one stage, my parents kind of said, oh, would it be okay? You know, but we, we kind of removed things and we got things up on blocks. Um, we had lots of extra help from friends and family. But, um, yeah, we were lucky to get that much up. But, like, we just took the extra measure just in case. We still didn't know that it was going to, but it did. We got some of our electrical goods up. Um, some stuff wasn't saved They're just like Things that you miss oh, no. um, That you just don't think of In the moment Because you're You're so stressed
5: I <laughs> know oh, oh, no. And you're
8: trying to think Of everything And um, you know pe- We miss stuff And even like that um, Neighbours have said You know Things like under beds You just don't think of And kind of low down Like trying to save The big things I suppose Or like you know Things like refrigerators Are expensive You know To have to Pay for those And, and we knew That we'd have to pay For all of them again um, so we try to save things like that, but, you know, other things get damaged. Furniture, it's also being assessed. I was in, again, with the neighbour. She has some laminate flooring. She's kind of looking at it saying, oh, would some of it be OK? You know, it, it's lifting. It it looks awful. I don't know if, like, you know, if it'll be able to stay. Like, some of it might be OK, but it's that she shouldn't have to keep it kind of saying, Is it OK? Like, there was water coming in from the river. Was
1: it mucky water? oh it was
8: horrible yeah it was a bit more of the mocking now I would say yeah. I, um, I wouldn't like to say what was in I know it, but I, know, it wasn't, I saw, you know
1: I saw, some, yeah, I saw some video footage and this isn't a pipe bursting with nice clean water in it it's, it's pretty disgusting and it's yeah. and it stinks and then when you're trying to dry out that awful smell as you're trying to dry out the house mm-hmm. It's yep. it's just it's shocking. Now I I mentioned it when I had Tim Lombard and he was explaining there was work done at the village, wasn't there? At one stage, um, I think so. I'm not entirely sure. But it's sure it's the eight it's the eight houses needs additional yeah. uh, work, and the council yeah. are well aware of this, and so are the OPW.
8: They have been for fourteen years, and nothing has been done.
1: Yeah, it's just. Yeah,
8: it has not. Yes, it's apparently it's still in the feasibility phase, like from what we can tell them from our documentation. The second phase is planning, you know, but it hasn't even, you know, that's where the action kind of starts to happen. But even with planning, you could be waiting years.
1: Yeah, I'm reading an article that, that Shona Reardon wrote in the in the examiner. And, yeah. and even if the planning uh, was to go through, uh, planning permission could be in place, could be, could be in place by the second half of 2025. Yeah. That's just for planning before you'd even start to get the work done. And this, again, yeah. is a little bit like when I was speaking about uh, Rath, Rath Cormac earlier. This isn't one of the massive flood schemes like the one for Middleton that's going to cost £43 million. Mm. I, I, This isn't going to be hugely expensive. Sure, it's not. It's not. And the thing is, it would have been cheaper to do it years ago. When we still
8: had the problem, you know, inflation, you know, so if, the, if we, we were told there was funds allocated, where those funds are and what they're doing, I don't know. So I don't understand why things are still at a standstill, why they're not moving. There's just, there's such a lack of action. It's far too slow. There's no reason. from what I can see. And when like, you, when you I'd love for someone to explain that. Yeah,
1: here. yeah, break it down. And when you yes. say you, you've had uh, three major floods in the last 14 years. Previous yeah. to that, go back 15, 16, 17, 20 years. Did any of those houses flood back then?
8: No. My my neighbor has been living here 6 years and in his 6 years he didn't see it. When he was 60 or 61 is when we had the first flood
1: and uh, is, this, is you know. this down to building on a floodplain?
8: No, because one of the houses was was built in the noughties. So why would they give planning permission to a house that was built? You know
1: if, I know, if it was
8: liability, why would they give it? And why would we all have flood insurance up until the first flood, if that was the case, you know?
1: Yeah, what's, so that makes but, you know, no sense. Yeah, what's gone wrong and what, what's happened? But you need... And it's just the thought of... You know, we're at the start of winter. You know, Storm Babette is is the first Mm -hmm. of God knows how many more storms we're going to get. Every time, Kate, you hear a weather forecast for heavy rain, do you sort of almost hold your breath going, oh, are we going to have another flood event?
8: Oh, absolutely. The anxiety is unbelievable. It it really is. And, uh, you know, um, October, like we kind of, I mean, October can be rainy, but, you know, we kind of know to be on high alert in the winter months. Um, and March 2021, we had a very close call. We had pumps going here, uh, moving water out from our gardens back into the river. But, I mean, it still is nowhere to go in a And you're hoping that the river is moving fast enough to carry it away, that it's not building up again. But, you know, March, we're not expecting, you know, so it's it's kind of gotten to the stage where we, we're not free ever. We don't know when it's going to come. You know, and weather patterns are becoming more unpredictable, and that's yeah. the reality. So we have to live with that all the time. Um, and even now, I mean, there was one one of the floods we got flooded, and then a month later there was very hairy rain, and some of those houses had gotten
1: reflooded. Just after you doing all the clean up and the drying out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you so are are you able to claim under the this humanitarian aid fund that we constantly hear about from the Red Cross up to twenty million?
8: Um, <laughs> Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's a group of us getting together now, and we're we're seeing the eight houses, and we're just kind of going to see what we can apply for. We'll apply for whatever we can. And get oh, absolutely, absolutely. We can it's, get it. Yeah, it's you know, it's in, not in. You can't win, yeah, it's so. impl-
1: and I know they have changed the, to make full relief available, they've changed because I know it's means tested and that causes complications for people, but they have upped the income limit. So, so hopefully everybody uh, will be covered. And I also know as well that senior council officials are meeting with uh, Patrick Donovan, who's the, the junior minister with responsibility for the OPW and his officials, and they're meeting today to discuss the fallout from the flooding around the county. So, you know, the fact that Bannon has to your homes flooded, you'll be on that list. So, So fingers crossed that something can be done and that they can start identifying these projects that they know that need to be done and just expedite them and just get them done. Get them sorted. All right, listen, uh, Kate, my heart goes out here. It's a horrible place uh, to be, uh, but keep fighting the fight. And um, thanks a million for joining us on the programme. We will. Thank you so much for your time. That's our pleasure. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, a case joining us from Ballinhassig on those eight, and it's only eight houses, but for each of those, it is their family home. And to have it destroyed, you know, and just live in that fear that any time there's any kind of an orange weather warning, are they going to flood again? 0818 103 103, our lines are open.
0: Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. <laughs> You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Joe Heffernan
1: joining us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon,
7: Patricia.
1: And you're very welcome. And we're going to talk about anger today. And we have uh, tips on how to keep your anger uh, under control like, sometimes, Joe, I think anger can be good. And, and I'm thinking about an interview that I did uh, earlier with one of the businesses that was flooded in Middleton. And when I'd mm. spoken with Eleanor last week, she was so deflated, uh, bless her heart. And she said today she's got this kind of anger within her that's giving her the fight to keep going. Yes. So so, so th- there's nothing wrong with that.
7: Not a bit in the world. The anger is good. Yeah. Um, but it's how we deal with it is what we'd be talking about. Um, You know, you see, an impulsive uh, statement or action uh, fueled by either anger or fear or whatever, um, if it's impulsive, it's likely to be, uh, well, obviously not thought out, and uh, maybe uh, it can do more damage than good.
1: Yeah, and some people are, you know, particularly good at keeping their anger under control. But there are others who will say, you know, I need anger management. And and it's, it's that kind of anger that we're talking about today. People who just almost lose the head and can't control it.
7: Yeah, because passive anger and aggressive anger are not good ways of expressing our anger. Whereas assertive anger is a very good way to express our anger. Um, well, okay, so, so if you
1: f- if you feel that anger bubbling up, and that's how some people describe it, it's you know it's just yeah. bubbling up in, inside them. That's the time that you need a timeout.
7: You do, and I mean, it sounds like an old cliche, count to ten. But even if you only count it to two, at least there's a pause, and the pause is vital um, to just not blurt out impulsively what can just make the situation worse. And to have some kind of an anchor, uh, I was talking to one person and they would um, uh, very consciously raise their eyebrows. And when they raised their eyebrows, that second um, meant, hold on. And then they would assertively say what they were angry about. Um, And uh, a second tip would be that if the... um, If the anger has in the past been overwhelming and caused uh, more problems than it solved, well then, maybe take a break, get some space, go outside the door, walk around the house, come back in. Um, But I suppose that's a kind of an extended way of counting to ten. And then when you do come back in, and when you're relatively calm, you can express your anger in an assertive and healthy way um, and say, look, um, this is troubling me greatly, Um, and uh, that can very, very possibly lead to a solution, whereas the outburst seldom would. It and, only result uh, another outburst.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the outburst isn't, isn't going to work. And then, you know, as you say, taking that bit of a time out, maybe go out into the fresh air, you know, get your breath, get your thoughts uh, together, but then go back and confront it. Because the, the, the worst thing you can do at that point in time is let it go and then stew on it. That would probably make it worse long term.
7: Absolutely. That's like the pressure cooker that I often hear about like that it builds and it builds and it builds, and then it explodes. So it's much better to defuse a situation um, rather than to let it uh, fester. But um, the big word here would be assertive. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, to, um, uh, to be coming from an area from a, that your motivation is to solve a problem rather than put down the other person.
1: Yeah, and rather um, than cre- create it and, and make yeah. it worse. And and I've heard of people who, you know, who openly will uh, admit that they've suffered from anger management uh, issues. And I've heard them talk about exercise is a great way.
7: Oh, absolutely. And I suppose a tiny way of the exercise there would be the walk around the house. Now, um, that wouldn't get you ready for um, next month's marathon. But, I mean, it's something... It's a break from the angry, angry, um, immediate situation, and it's, um, uh, it, it helps to, to let one have a little think, you know? Um, but uh, relaxation skills, mindfulness, um, teaching the body how to relax, because maybe we don't realize that um, these feelings are in the body, not in the mind. But um, we, if we can relax the body, the mind will follow. So if you can, um, if you can uh, uh, act down. No, I didn't say think down, but act down. Um, a flare up. Well, then, um, uh, you know that will help the situation greatly. And to think carefully before you say anything. Otherwise, you know. You're quite likely to, to say something you will regret um, even go to the extent of writing down a few bullet points now, I'm not talking about a major essay. I'm talking about a few words um uh, that you want to um uh, to to talk about and as we've often said on the program uh, Patricia regularly um i statements start with i um I felt bad when. And then whatever the situation was, rather than you made me very angry when. Because, yeah, you're trying
1: um, not to inflame the situation while well, you want to get your point across about, you know, what you're annoyed about, what you're angry about. But the last thing you need to do is enrage the other person. And then you're going to get um, uh, nowhere and then try to focus on what it is has made you mad.
7: Exactly. i um, like to make a specific request um, at times. Um, you know, um, w- would you take out the bins, please? That's very specific, and usually that will get a positive response. The person will take out the bins. But you never help around the house. That's just going to bring on an argument. So, I mean, it's the same Um, objective. You want the other person to bring out the bins. So if you are very specific in your request and say, would you bring out the bins, please? Um, Yeah, yeah,
1: rather than getting into uh, a command or criticising the other person.
7: Uh, Absolutely. The the you statement like of um, you never help out around the house, Uh, that's putting the other person, uh, that's going to be a row. Yeah.
1: And and I like the piece of advice, don't hold a grudge. I mean, the worst thing you can do in an argument is bring up something that happened six months ago.
7: All right, that's so important of sticking to the present issue. Um, Not something that happened uh, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, 20 years ago. Um, You know, stick to the issue at hand Um, and don't don't bring up uh, other things that are... Uh, in the past
1: yeah don't drag up something and, and and I have a hobby who I have to say is fantastic at using humour and then he'll make me laugh if, I, if I'm getting mad about something but he'll make me laugh and it's very hard to be angry with somebody when you're laughing at them
7: exactly <laughs> and I've found that throughout my life yeah. um, use humour you know a bit of humour definitely helps
1: yeah and then practice relaxation and we're back again to mindfulness I mean mindfulness really is fantastic
7: yeah, and when we're in touch with our bodies, um, you know, we learn to take a breath and to take a deep breath down to the tummy and then hold it for a second and then exhale with the shoulders coming down. Now, by the time you've that little thing done, uh, your anger will be after moving from the passive and or the aggressive into assertive. And uh, and again, as we said at the start, there is uh, anger is good. Anger can motivate us to do things. Uh, many a person has made a decision to leave his or her job. Uh, they are angry over maybe whatever, and um, and they have uh, made moves, got new jobs, and said best move I ever made. So, I mean, that is a fact that uh, anger can be. Um, a very useful tool, exactly like you said for that lady from Middleton. Yeah, she's who, turning it um, into
1: a, she's turning it into a positive. And somebody said uh, a person who uses the silent treatment—I mean, that's passive aggressive—and that does not work. Okay, we're out no. on we're out on time. Listen, we'll talk again uh, next week, Joe. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week and enjoy the bank holiday weekend.
7: And the same, Patricia. Thanks,
1: a million. That's Joe Heflin, who runs a counselling practice in Bowabri. His number is oh eight six eight three four eight one four five. One quick final text. Can I just squeeze it in from Stephen and Kerry? When he heard me talk about the NCT and our poor uh, from all listeners going tomorrow for an NCT that was due in February, his date is tomorrow, and wondering would he get twelve months, and he won't. It'll be a four month NCT. Uh, Stephen and Kerry uh, says the NCT proudly proclaimed that the NCT is primarily about road safety. I put to them and anybody else who cares to argue and that includes politicians, lawyers, Gardy, and the, the NCT is primarily about making money says our Stephen and County Kerry and that's plain to be seen by anyone who wants to think about it. OK that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for Wednesday's edition of the programme tomorrow at 10 the Good afternoon.
0: on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk